So last week, we introduced a new study we've been planning on doing this summer called Set in Stone, which the idea is, is how do we come rock solid in our faith? How do we become those believers that are not turned from by every wind of doctrine, but solid in our faith? And really the heart of it is spiritual disciplines. What are the things that you and I can be doing that quite honestly believers have been doing for the last 2,000 years to lean into Jesus? Last week we talked about the Word of God and how important it is into our life. And, and one of the things that we're trying to do is just be very practical, to give you some things that man, you, you can practice right away. And I hope that maybe some of those things in studying the Word uh, you were able to put into practice. Now here's the thing though. This is not a, a formula. You know, so you, you think about life, we, we like our formulas, that if we cut calories and we exercise more, we'll lose weight, right? It's, it's a guarantee, isn't it? No, it doesn't work for me either. Uh, but, but we have these little formulas that may or may not work. Well, here's the thing about spiritual disciplines. Just because you tick the boxes that I read the Bible or I tick the box that I was in community, I went to church today, doesn't mean that you're going to grow spiritually. You know, if your heart's far from God, if your heart's hardened to the things, it's not going to work. You know, because it's about the inside. But these are the tools that when we practice them with a soft heart, a humble heart, that the Holy Spirit has to use to continue to make us more like Christ. And so today I want to talk about the discipline of community. So if you got your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, if you're at home, you can, you can find it there. We're going to start in verse 19. But while you do that, I want to give you a little background. Because I always want to start with a little kind of a theological piece. Why this is so important. It's not just the how-to, but I want you to understand kind of the why behind it. When you... When you think about why would community be a discipline, why would it be something that would be that important, there's really two things fundamentally that point to it. Number one is our creation. Number two is our redemption. So when we think about creation, the first thing we're reminded of is that you and I were created in the image of God, right? Genesis 1. God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. Let us make him. Now, we could spend a lot of time talking about what does it mean that we were created in the likeness of God. In fact, if we launch now with some of the theologues we have in here, we could probably be here at 8 o'clock next Sunday morning still talking about it. Provided that probably most of you want to have lunch today, I'll try to cut to the chase of what I want to focus on. The one piece of the likeness and the image of God that we know and we understand that I think is, is crucial to understanding this is the fact that our God has always existed in community. He is a Trinitarian God. He has always existed as three. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In fact, you go back to Genesis and this let us make man in our image. And in my mind, I think we already begin to see this suggestion of community. 
And so God, when he created us, created us in his likeness. Well, God has always existed in a plurality of persons. He is eternally three who is one. He's always lived in community. And so when he creates man, it is for community. In fact, maybe the whole emphasis, have you ever wondered why God just didn't make Adam and Eve together like he made all the animals together? Why was it Adam's created first and then Eve out of them? Well, isn't maybe the whole point that it is not good that man is alone? Because in our very creation, we weren't made to be alone. We weren't made to be isolated. We were made for community. And so God, we were made in, in God's image. That image is a, is a is an idea that we were made for community, to share life with others. Now, here's the problem. Sin came in, right? And sin messed up everything. I mean, the first thing that sin did is it messed up our community with God. So Adam and Eve would walk and talk with God in the cool of the evening. Now sin comes, and where there's sin, there's guilt, there's shame. Sin and guilt and shame always want to isolate us. So here comes God walking in the cool of the evening. And what does Adam and Eve do? They hide. They try to cover up. We're like, let's put this fig leaf here. Maybe God won't notice, right? And that's what sin does. It, it breaks that community, that relationship with God. But it also, it destroys relationship between people. I mean, if you not read Genesis 3 and how this man, in the, you know, remember the whole, wow, this is woman, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. And now it's, hey, the woman you gave me caused me to do it, right? Well, the serpent, you know, they're throwing each other under the bus as fast as they possibly can. And then they have children who now were born in sin. And Cain now kills his brother. Relationships. And now Cain is sent out to what? Wander in isolation. That's what sin does. So when we look at the cross, when we look at redemption, what we're reminded of is that when Jesus came to die for us, to stand in our place, to bear our sins so that we could be forgiven, what he is doing is first and foremost, he is restoring our community with God. He bears our sin so that we could stand forgiven before the Father, so that we could be accepted in the beloved, so that now we could know God. In fact, don't forget the great object lesson. You know, we, we don't always talk about this when we talk about Jesus dying on the cross and all that happened there. But man, the great object lesson of that day as Jesus died on the cross said to Telestai, it is finished, the debt's paid. And as he bowed his head and he died, God took that veil that hung in the temple, right? Kept everybody out of the, of the Holy of Holies, the place where God's presence was. And only the high priest could go in and him just once a year. God takes that, that veil and he rips it from top to bottom. Community with God is reestablished through the blood of Christ. But it's not just community with God, it's now community with others. Remember, just a few hours before Jesus went to the cross, as he gathered his disciples, he looked at them and says, a new commandment 
I give to you, that you love one another even as I have loved you. By this, all men will know you're my disciples, by the way that you love one another. Our redemption provided for our community with God, our relationship with him, and now our relationship with one another as we act with forgiveness, as we act in grace, as we act in becoming more and more like Christ. So it's all seen there. And then what God did is he created this brand new organization, this brand new organism they called the church. And this was to be that place where all would come, where all would have community, and, and it's just... It's such a wonderful place where we would go. And that's what brings us now to Ephesians chapter 2. Because what Paul is trying to do is he's trying to explain, he's trying to explain the church. Now, you think about, you think about how hard it is even today for people to really understand the church, right? So we, we walk to the COVID thing and a boatload of people are saying the church is closed. Well, no. Church isn't closed. Because the church is not a building, is it? No. Well, but there are no services. Yeah, but the church is not a service, is it? No. The church is us. Did you close? No, neither did I, right? I'm out there. I'm, we're trying to live on mission where we were. The church was not closed. We weren't gathering but we weren't closed. And so you can even see today in 20th century America, we don't quite get the church. Well, think about what it was like for those first century believers. Jew, Gentile, bond, free, educated, uneducated. The colors of the rainbow coming together. And so what Paul does to try to explain it to him is he gives him some pictures. And starting in verse 19, there's two pictures here, and I want to go to two pictures also that he gives to just try to explain the church. So this is what he says. So then, verse 19 of chapter 2, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens of the saints and are of God's household. We are family. And having been built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. So there are two pictures here. The first one is this picture of family. And the idea is, is that we are intentionally connected. So when you think about family, family is we are related. We are related by blood or we are related by marriage, but we now have family. And, and family, you know, the old saying, blood is thicker than water, right? And, and we, we, we may not even like them, but they're family. And because of that, we live together and we do life together. And I've shared with you, you know, for us, our big family time of the week is, is uh, Sunday afternoons. Because that's when we gather. Tammy, is, this is kind of her thing. She makes the big Sunday meal for everybody. So our kids come. 
our grandkids come, uh, her folks come, my mom comes, my sister comes, uh, her kids, my, my nephews and my niece come, and uh, today Gary's coming, Reuben Sandwiches, by the way, there, there you go, because uh, he's down here without Nancy, so we take in strays every once in a while. Uh, <laughs> But we, we, we get together, and, and we love one another, and that's what family does. Family does life together. But you know what they say about families. You know that there is a little crazy in every family. And if you think your family is the exception, you're it. And, and it's true. But what do we do in family? Well, what we learn is we learn to live with grace with one another. We, we learn to... Uh, listen and we learn not to get quite so upset and we you know because we are family well the same thing happens in the church of God we're family in fact I would suggest to you it's a it's a bond a family bond that's tighter than a blood family because you and I have been born into the kingdom of God you know the whole picture Nicodemus you must be born again we're born into the family of God we are stamped together as brothers and sisters in Christ not with the blood that runs through our vein but with the DNA that lies in our soul it is the DNA of Jesus the Holy Spirit resides in all of us and this is what gives us the bond. And that's the picture. The second picture that he gives here is the picture of the building. And he talks about how Jesus is the cornerstone and the foundation is the apostles and prophets. And, and we're these bricks that are being built up to this holy temple. Now the great thing about a brick is, is that left to itself, it's, it doesn't do much, right? It just, it's just one thing. It can't build much of anything. But as they are cemented together, as mortar is added and, and piece upon piece is built, something great and magnificent can be built. And that's the idea of the church is that each of us has our place and we may look at ourselves and say hey there's nothing really significant about me but as we are glued in to one another God builds something that's absolutely incredible a third picture that he gives uh, in the book of Acts is the picture of a flock uh, in Acts chapter 16 when he's talking to the elders there at Ephesus, he says this, Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock, among whom the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to shepherd the church. So this picture of the flock. Now the thing we know about a flock is that in the flock there's protection. If you ever watch a Discovery Channel, you know, the, the, the wild animals of the Serengeti or, you know, Texas or wherever it is. Uh, the sheep or the gazelle or whatever it is that usually hang together in a flock, the one who is most at risk is the one who goes off by itself. The one who's not with the rest. And especially when you think about sheep, they have no natural defense mechanism. And so that's why when you think about, you know, Jesus telling the story about leaving the 99 and going and finding the one. Why? Because there, there's no protection outside of the flock and being together and the shepherd being there. And that's what we provide for one another. We provide protection. As together, God leads us to the place of, of pasture and water and all the things that our soul needs he does not do that individually but he does that corporately the fourth picture is the picture of the body in fact he he actually addresses it here in chapter 1 verse 22 and 23 he says 
Christ is head over all things to the church, which is his body. You go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and it gives this whole great big picture of this. And, and it's like you're Christ's body. And the whole idea is that our body has different parts, but all of them work together. You know, if we were all just the feet, or we're all just the hand, we're all just the eye, it doesn't work. But we all have different responsibilities, different giftedness. And, but it's as we work together, there's another part of the body that we're also reminded that if there's, you ever become unconnected to the body, you're going to die. You go in for surgery, they take out your gallbladder, the gallbladder doesn't continue to live on the table once they take it out. It dies. We need each other. And these are the, the pictures that we're given of the church to remind us of the importance of community. It's priceless. In fact, I will go so far as to say this. I don't believe you will ever become the person of maturity in Christ apart from community. That's what God designed us for. That's how all of this works. We need each other. We need one another speaking into our lives. We were created for community. In fact, I was thinking this week about Paul. You know, Paul who we look at as that great warrior, right? If there's anybody who could have done it on his own, it was Paul. I mean, he's just kind of that warrior out there leading the tip of the spear. But you think about in Paul's life. He's on his way to Damascus. He sees the vision of, of Jesus. It was Ananias who came and brought him the good news. Then as a young believer up in Tarsus by himself, it was Barnabas who came alongside and took him into Antioch and took him under his wing and discipled him. It was Silas who traveled with him as his peer, as his friend, as his fellow traveler in ministry. It was Timothy, it was Titus, it was these young men that he poured into. He did it in community. And I would suggest to you that as a believer in the community of faith that you and I must develop, there needs to be these three types of people. First of all, there needs to be young believers that we're pouring into. For those of us who are parents and we've got younger children, it's often them. But maybe it's the people we're leading to the Lord. Maybe it's the people in our workplace that we've seen that, you know, maybe they've accepted Christ, but they haven't begun to grow. How are we pouring into them? Then it's the, it's the believers who are our peers. They're walking life with us. You know, Tammy and I have been really blessed over the years that God has brought people into our life who are about that same stage of life. You know, kids are about the same place. They're doing about the same things. Even in this new piece of life as we're kind of, well, we're not empty nesting yet, but one day we're getting there, right? But as we get closer to that, our kids are getting grown. And uh, God's bringing these people into our lives who are doing the same things and we share life together, and when one's discouraged, the other encourages, and it's just that, that piece of community. Then the third piece is, is older believers, the ones that are a couple steps ahead of you, a couple miles further down the road, and being able to listen, to glean from their wisdom, and to learn from what they have learned so we don't maybe make some of the same mistakes is what we're called to do. And in the midst of this, I couldn't help but just stop and think, you know, here's something that I think to me is so important. You know, the church was always about diversity. Our God is the God of the rainbow. I mean, you look at the body of Christ, the fact that we all have different giftedness. We, we're different makeup. God didn't make us all the same. And one of the great things about the church is it's always been this place where 
Again, Jew, Gentile, bond and free, black, white, yellow, red, doesn't matter. We come. And, and truly, when you think of Jesus talking about how the church should reflect him, by this you'll know all men, all men will know you're my disciples by the way you love one another. It's not loving in the sameness, because the world does that. But it's love that goes beyond the sameness with the people that don't look like us. Maybe the people that don't think like us all the time. God forbid, maybe even people that don't vote like us. And we listen and we love. And we may not always agree. We may not always see things eye to eye. That's fine. But we love one another. There's a power to the idea of, of diversity and how I think the church historically has, has done that. At some points has failed miserably at that. I mean, but man, could, could we not be the instrument of change if we understood this? I love what Revelation tells us. That day that we're in heaven and they're singing this new song, it says that Jesus, you have purchased for God with your blood men from every tribe, every tongue, every people, and every nation. You want to talk about diversity? That's heaven. That's what we need to reflect here. And so, if I could give you four short, really practical things to do, and I was supposed to be done one minute ago, so I'm going to talk really quick. Four really practical things. Number one, one of the best places to find community is to serve. Jesus said, if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, you've got to be the servant of all. I will tell you that my best friends in life have been people that I have met in the service of the Lord. There's just something that when you serve together that knits your heart together. Find a place to serve. It's so important. Secondly, become a member of the church. You know, we don't talk about this much. In fact, I would venture to say if you've attended here, most of you probably very seldom heard me mention church membership. And the reason is, it's my fault, it's my bad, I get that. But I grew up in an area where we had some churches that talked so much about membership, it almost seemed like it was more important than getting saved. And I just never wanted to be there. But having said that, probably I've let the pendulum go too far. And so today, it's like, you know, almost with church, it's almost like these, these young kids that, you know, date forever but never make commitment. Ah, how long have you been dating? Ten years? You ever going to get married? Ah, I don't know, you know. It, it's just th there's no sense of eventually going, hey, this is where God. There's no perfect church. There, there's no going to be perfect thing. That's fine. Uh, there's just like there's no perfect spouse. But you, you come together, you make that commitment, and we're going to work this thing out, and we're going to, we're going to figure it out and we're going to love each other. It's, it's a great thing. Number three is that you intentionally build relationships with other believers. You find those that maybe are younger than the Lord. And how can I pour in? And you build relationship with them. You, you find those people that are in those same stages of life that you are. And you, you get to know them and you have them over for dinner. You have them in your home. I'll tell you, dinner is one of the best places to help find community. Lastly, you reach out to some of those who are a little farther down the road and you don't tell them, hey, I need you because you're old. You need to say, hey, listen, I look at your life, right, and I see some great things. Would you mind sharing with me? And I'd love to be able to learn from you. And then lastly, seek to initiate relationships 
with people who don't look like you or think like you or vote like you. I mean, let us be intentional to be able to be that agent of change that God would want to use to show the community around us. This is, you see, this is what happens when God redeems our soul. The problem is sin. It's what destroys relationships, and we're not perfect, but God is in the process of restoring me. And so I want to be intentional to be able to reflect him just as he was when he picked both fishermen and tax collectors and disciples of John and those who were of priestly descent and all of these things to make up that band of who he had.